Welcome to Equipping the Body. I'm Dr. Brad Starnes, and today we're going to be continuing through the book of James, the book of James. And last time we were beginning chapter 5, and we made it through verse 6 as we looked at James' warning against the wicked wealthy. And now we've come to James chapter 5, verses 7 through 11. Verses 7 through 11. And we're going to look at this idea that James has for us in the text, patiently enduring until the end. You know, it's no secret that in this life we face troubles, trials, tribulations, especially believers. We live in a time where the culture is becoming more and more hostile towards Bible-believing Christians. It seems that the wicked get away with everything and the righteous continue to suffer. But considering these things, we can take courage and comfort in knowing that Jesus is coming soon. And so James calls us to patiently endure until the end. And I hope as we consider this text that in our hearts we can sing the old chorus of the church, It's been worth every mile. It's been worth every trial. It's been worth every valley that we've crossed. crossed excuse me. It's been worth everything that we've faced, and here's dear name, and it will be worth it all when we see his face, patiently enduring to the end. James chapter 5, verses 7 through 11. Therefore, therefore what? Well, previously he was talked about the wicked getting theirs, and he said, so because the wicked are going to get theirs, therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it, until he receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job, and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, lest you fall into judgment. And I didn't mean to read verse 12. That's a separate study, but so be it. And so the first thing we note here in verse 7 is this. We can patiently endure unto the end, by knowing that justice will be served, considering James' promise that the wicked, wealthy elites will be judged by God, he instructs believers to therefore be patient. Now remember, therefore is a conjunction. It connects two ideas. So James is not starting a new thought completely disconnected with his judgment of the rich. Rather, he is saying since God is going to judge the wicked, wealthy, just be patient. Justice will be given. Considering this, we think of our world today. It's run by rich, liberal elitists. I mean, this is not a conspiracy theory. It's a fact. Individuals like George Soros and Mark Zuckerberg and f folks like that are ridiculously wealthy, ridiculously liberal, and desire an all-powerful su all superstate. They take the liberal side of literally every argument. Last of all, we've seen by their own statements and by their viewpoints, that they hate people of faith. They despise us. Nothing has changed. This was the same way in James' day. 
However, when we see these individuals, it's easy to get upset and wonder, man, if they're so wicked, why does God allow all this good stuff to happen to them? The song says it does seem that the wicked prosper. However, remember their prosperity, according to James 5, 1 through 6, is going to testify against them in the judgment day. And all they are doing by worshiping wealth is heaping up for themselves hellfire. So the believer is to be patient and endure as he or she waits for the coming of the Lord. Why? Because when he takes the church away, all will be made right. Now, I believe he's referring to the rapture uh, when he says the return of the Lord, which takes place second seven years before the second coming. Remember in Scripture, the return of the Lord is a generic term which references either the rapture, the second coming, or both. For example, Paul describes the rapture in 1 Thessalonians 4, and uses the term coming of the Lord. Yet in Revelation, we see the coming of the Lord takes place after the marriage supper of the Lamb. So I don't think it's hard to put together when you consider this phrase is used in various ways. So we're fixing our eyes and hearts on that blessed hope that the church will rise. Now this helps us to understand this idea because James offers an illustration of a farmer. The farmer sows seed and waits patiently for the fruit to produce. It doesn't happen soon. It doesn't happen overnight. And he has to patiently endure the hardships of growing a crop. Now, you say, well, what's so hard about growing crops? Well, if you say that, then you've clearly never had a garden. <laughs> now, imagine growing a garden back then with no pesticides, no, no tractors, no tillers, no modern uses or, or modern conveniences, but doing everything by hand. That was the uh, lot of the farmer in James's day, and so he, he has to endure the hard work and hardships of enjoying that crop. And so Paul used that, or excuse me, James uses that as an illustration to say, listen, God will make all things right, and so therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. Be patient, endure, hold on, calm down, understand that a brighter day is coming for the child of God and justice will be served. All those who have martyred and persecuted the saints of the living God will suffer retribution under the foot of Jesus Christ. Now that's what the book of Revelation clearly teaches. In fact, it says that the birds of the air will consume their flesh, that God will pour his wrath out on them. We see the saints in Revelation, they're crying out, how long? To you avenge us, O Lord. Well, not long, because when he comes back, justice will be served. Now, that is the idea that allows us in some way to patiently endure by knowing that justice will be served, but also by this, by focusing on the facts of his return. We can patiently endure until the end by simply focusing on the facts of his return. Verse 8, you also be patient, establish your heart, strengthen your hearts to read so, to set fast, to confirm, to turn resolutely in one direction or to focus one's mind. He says, establish your hearts. Why? For the coming of the Lord is at hand. So in other words, I put it in a pithy way, we focus on the facts of the return of the Lord. That allows us some endurance when we consider and focus our hearts and Establish or strengthen our hearts on the fact of his return. 
This is the ultimate comfort for Christians. This is the blessed hope of true believers that Jesus is coming back. Often the coming of the Lord in Scripture, and rightly so, is discussed in a negative or terrifying way. The prophets speak of his wrath and judgment he will pour out upon the world, and I'm not saying that that isn't one side of it for unbelievers, because it certainly is. However, for saved people, for those who truly believe, the coming of the Lord is not something to frighten us, but to establish our hearts, to strengthen us, to comfort us. In other words, let me put this in a very practical way. How can I endure this life, Pastor, by reminding yourself that Jesus is coming again and strengthening your heart based on that fact. That's what verse 8 is saying. The coming of the Lord is to comfort us. Remember, as Jesus said, when you see these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. So for us, the Lord coming back means redemption. It means rescue. It means relief, joy, peace, happiness. Now suppose you would ask, why is that? Well, because when you were born again, you were placed in the Son, and the Son was placed in you by the washing of your soul by His blood. You were redeemed. Now when God sees you, He sees the blood, so His wrath will pass over us. Paul said it this way, For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation from our Lord. Now, I know we are saved in Jesus by having our sins forgiven, but in Thessalonians, the passage I just quoted to you, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9, part A, Paul is speaking of being saved from this very world, from the wrath to come at the Lord's return, because in the preceding verses, he speaks of the day of the Lord. So we need, in order to patiently endure, in order to keep from going crazy, in this crazy world, we need to focus on the facts of his return. Let me read the text to you again in verse 8. Be patient, establish your hearts, strengthen up, tighten up, toughen up. Why? For the coming of the Lord is at hand. That's why. How could that not strengthen our hearts? I mean, what's going to happen when the Lord returns for the child of God? Well, I can tell you the end of it. Revelation 21.4, God's going to take us to a place called heaven. And then John in Revelation 24 writes this, And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, no crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. All of this and more is wrapped up in this term, return of the Lord. And we must focus on those facts. Because if you focus on the world, you're going to go crazy. If you focus on the fact that the wicked get away with murder, literally, and the righteous are persecuted, then you're not going to be able to endure. You're not going to be able to take it. But James says, be patient, strengthen your heart, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. And when you focus on those facts, you'll be able to say, it will be worth it all. Now lastly, you say, well, Doc, you speak of facts, but how do you know? Well, I mean, people have said for years, Jesus is coming back, but how do you know? Well, I've got his word on it. He himself said, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also, John 14, 3. So for all of this, all these benefits and blessings that are coming to us at the return of the Lord, those of us who are saved, then you could rightly say we can patiently endure until the end by focusing on the facts of his return, James 5, 8. 
You know, sometimes in life it's easier to go through a challenging period when you have something to look forward to. In physical training, the athlete endures long and strenuous and often painful workouts. He or she pushes themselves to the limit, takes a beating, especially in the martial arts world, and they are looking forward to that victory which helps them endure the challenges to get there. They are keeping their eyes on the prize. Consider again the farmer. James mentions. James was a good preacher. He gave good illustrations. The farmer, he, he has to endure the elements, the bugs, other animals, disease, drought. And yet he knows that after a while the rain will come and the harvest will produce. In this life, we are going to be persecuted, some more so than others. If we are true to follow Christ, we will face challenges from without the church on a daily basis, especially as the culture becomes more and more hostile towards biblical Christianity. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus and his promise to return, as well as his promises in all. This will make the journey easier. So not only can we patiently endure until the end by focusing on the facts of his return and by knowing that justice will be served in verse 7, but in verse 9 through 11, we can patiently endure until the end by loving each other. Look at verse 9. James says, In the middle of all this, do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. Believers are already promised great difficulty and persecution as we wait for Jesus to come back. The last thing we need, James says, he said, you're already going to have to be patient and endure. The last thing we need is to be fighting each other. We've got enough problems. We don't need to become each other's problems. He says, do not grumble against one each other. That word grumble means speak evil of to grumble about each other or to grumble to each other about each other. Generally, the point is this. We are to love each other and get along because if we don't, we'll face the judgment of Jesus. We will have to answer to Jesus. How come y'all couldn't get along? I put y'all down there at such and such church and y'all were supposed to work together and the whole world was against you. Instead of getting on each other's side, you turned against each other. The pressure from without created fighting within. It's kind of like this. Imagine two siblings fighting over a toy and the mama says, y'all better get along because daddy's on his way home. That's what James is saying. We've got enough problems. Y'all better straighten up because the judge is at the door. Jesus is coming and he better find us serving each other and loving each other well. Listen, we have enough enemies. James already mentioned the wicked wealthy. We have the devil. We have our own flesh. We have the world. We have enough enemies. Jesus is coming soon. We don't need to waste our time grumbling about each other and fighting each other. What, I mean, can I be candid? What a stupid waste of time. Now, he says mistreating each other with our words, grumbling. This coincides well with James' previous warnings about the danger of the tongue. He said the tongue can destroy like a wildfire. And overall, James is mentioning, uh, previously in chapter 4, he's mentioning infighting in the church. Because in chapter 4, verse 1, he said, Where do the wars and fights come from among you? You see, James realized, and remember, James is writing to a people that are heavily persecuted. And he realizes sometimes when there's so much pressure coming on you from the outside, you'll turn on each other. I mean, we see it in TV shows, right? I, I mean, you watch like some type of survivor show and they're trying to work together as a team and things keep getting worse and so they turn against each other. How dumb. 
I mean, I, I know I shouldn't use the word dumb while I'm pre- but but seriously, how dumb? <laughs> We're on the same team. And Jesus is coming soon. And the world's already a mess. We don't need to turn on each other. We need to be fighting Satan in the world systems, not each other. The point is this, though. People are predisposed to disagree and to be in conflict because of our selfish and prideful nature. We must force this nature into submission before Christ by taking his example. He was humble and lowly of heart. He took on the form of a man humbly. When we do this, when we love each other and not grumble against each other, we have unity, and unity brings strength, and strength enables us to do what? To patiently endure until the end, which is the big picture of this passage. Quickly, James gives us some more examples, some more illustrations of patient endurance. He says, consider the prophets, consider Job. Well, what about the prophets? Well, Jeremiah went through his whole ministry and never won a convert. Job's entire family basically died, and he went bankrupt, and then he got sick. If that isn't enduring, I don't know what is. But in all this, Job never charged God foolishly, the Bible says. In all this, Jeremiah remained faithful to God. And so we must say this. James wants us to consider that they endured and they were blessed and we must endure. At any rate, I don't want to focus on James' illustrations. I want to focus on his main point. His main point is do not grumble against each other. Love each other. Get along. We're all in the same boat. So we see that James calls us to patiently endure to the end. He he mentions the return of the Lord at least twice. Uh, well, you could say three times because the judge is standing at the door. That would be another reference to the fact that he's coming. And he uses the word be patient several times. So clearly... His big picture idea, though he mentioned several other things, his big picture idea is to patiently endure until the end. How do we do that? Well, verse 7, by knowing justice will be served. Verse 8, by focusing on the facts of his return. If you need something to get happy about as you're trying to be patient, get happy about the fact he's coming again. Amen? And finally, verses 9 through 11, we can endure patiently, by loving each other instead of fighting each other, by comforting each other instead of arguing with each other. God did not call us to despair about how terrible the end times are going to be, but rather we are patiently to endure until the end, reminding ourselves, as Paul said elsewhere, comforting one another with these words, justice will be served. Don't worry, they're going to get theirs. Focus on the fact that he's returning. That's your comfort. And let me stop here and say, turn off the TV and open the Bible, but that's a different sermon for a different day. And then lastly, we're already enduring hardships. Being harsh towards each other isn't going to help anything. Let us love one another, speak kindness and encouragement to each other, be of good cheer, patiently endure because Jesus is coming soon. We can patiently endure until the end. James wrote to a persecuted people. We live in a country where we are still in the discrimination stage. Christians are being discriminated against, and I'm not going to go through and give you all the examples of that. If you don't see that by now, you're blind. But persecution always follows discrimination. Case in point, 
Hitler discriminated against the Jews by forcing them to identify themselves with the yellow star and treating them as second-class citizens, and then he moved from discrimination to persecution to outright extermination. And that's where we are in America. We went from it not being popular to be a Christian to everybody hating Christians to the government literally giving everybody free speech except Christians, and the only thing left is outright persecution. It wouldn't surprise me that if in my lifetime they were locking up Jesus followers left and right and throwing us in prison. Would not surprise me at all. How can we endure, Pastor? Well, by knowing justice will be served, James says, by focusing on the facts of his return, and by loving each other. God bless you. Keep studying the book of James.